Hey, Chris. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Little ones are so much fun, aren't they? <laughs> well, good evening. Let's pray together, brothers and sisters. Father, we uh, are so thankful that you... Um, set in motion in eternity past your great plan of redemption and salvation. And Lord, you've included us in that plan. And we're just so thankful for that. Thank you, Lord, that we can uh, gather here this evening together in freedom and, and just consider your word. And we just ask you, Lord, to breathe your life into this place. We pray that you would just give us a, a rich and a deeper view of who you are and what you've done on our behalf. And Lord, that we really would be recipients of good news with great joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the verse that we've been unwrapping over the last month is Luke 2, verse 10. And let me just read that for all of us. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. Um, As we've been considering Advent, um, we've been um, looking at this day that Jesus was born and thinking in terms of, it is really like our times. There was a lot of darkness and fear and anxiety then. And there's a lot of darkness and fear and anxiety here. And, and there are these seasons in life that we can look at and say, wow, we're, this message is really relevant to us for us today, isn't it? Um, we look, too, that the power of the gospel is transformative. It can, it can change lives individually. It can change societies. It can transcend our circumstances, what we're going through, what's happening in the world. It can take us into a completely different relationship with God and mankind. Um, One thing that I've just been doing personally is I've just been, uh, I'm a fearful person. I mentioned that many times. And, um, And I look at these times and I can feel dread come upon me. And yet the word says that God is specifically placed us in this time, in this era, in this place, so that we would represent him well on the earth. We should be excited about these times. We don't have to be excited about the horizontal, but we should say, God, you've, you've intentionally put me here, and I want to lay hold of you and accomplish the purposes that you saved me for while I'm here, however long that is. Um, we've, we, as we've been uh, going through this Advent time, we Chris brought us and started the time off, and he showed us how we can live in fearful times. We can be courageous people because we have a Savior that was born to us personally. And then John last week talked about the dark times and, and the scope from individual hard times to worldwide hard times, but we have good news because we have a Savior that was born to us. And then this evening, um, we not just have good news, but we have good news that produces great joy. 
Why? Because we have a Savior, a one that rescues us, the one who loves us, and that we're in his hand. And nothing and nobody will pluck us out of his hand. And then next week, we're going to see that this gospel is not exclusive, but it's inclusive. And it, will, it was for all people. And Jerry's going to be talking about that next week. For God so loved the world that he gave us the Savior who was born to us. Jesus, you get it, is the focal point of all of this. It's not our tradition and it's not our celebration, but it's Jesus, the Savior, born for us. In the Word, it says this. I love simple verses like this. The kingdom of heaven is not in food and drink, but in, who knows, in righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is not in food and drink, but it's in righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. That's the measure. And then we read in the word, too, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. You guys know that verse. I don't know about you, but a lot of times, this great joy is is an elusive thing for me. It's not always there, and, and and my circumstances don't always lend themselves to that. As a matter of fact, with the Lord Jesus, one of the descriptions of him is that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Um, that, and we're told to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. So I think sometimes we had a, have a kind of an off view of what this great joy should be looking like in our lives and where the source is. And I, I want to address a few of those things tonight. Advent is a time, I think, I love it in this fellowship that we, we really intentionally refocus and narrow our vision down to the Lord Jesus and ask the Lord at the end of this year, Lord, what do you want, what do you have for us this next year? And, and help me set my priorities right. Um, I think another thing that Advent is really cool about, to take the time to submit to the training of citizens in the kingdom of God. That's what we are. We're, we're living our life in sanctification is training. And, and it's to teach us how to live as kingdom children in this, uh, in this world that we live in, in this dark world that we live in. We, we, God wants us to figure out what it looks like um, that when we say, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And what it looks like to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's individually and corporately. What does it mean when we say, uh, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? So let's just pray together and we'll jump into a a few thoughts I have here in the word. I guess we've already jumped in. We will continue on with a few thoughts here. Lord, we just are so thankful um, for you and we're thankful for your word and we just offer this time to you. Lord, I just want to thank you for the DeHaan family, and thank you for Micah. I, I just can't believe that this young guy is 18 years old, and he came here when he was three. And we pray your blessing on them as they celebrate Micah's birthday tonight. And we pray for Chris and Lisa and the girls that you would just fill them with your great joy, Lord, and help Lisa in her physical difficulties that she wrestles with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
I was thinking of the song, It Is Well With My Soul, this week, and I was thinking of that as a sort of a foundation that I just think the message in this song is, is I think, the foundation for having and experiencing this great joy that God has for us to experience. And so let me read, let me read it. We're going to sing it later, but I just want to read this because I just think it's, it's such good um, truth right out of the word. When peace like a river attendeth my, my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Underline that thought, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I'd like to read from Hebrews 12, if you're following your Bible, if you'd like to scroll to Hebrews 12, if you're a scroller, do such. Um, these are the, this is the kind of foundation verse I want to take apart a little bit tonight, um, and I'll give you a chance to get there. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, some familiar verses, but I think they're really powerful verses too. There, by the way, this is talking about a, a race. How many of you have run in any, any 5Ks, fun runs, half marathons, marathons? They, they, race, race day and the start of a race is really fun, isn't it? It's really fun. All these people with all these different colored outfits on just going around and there's a buzz about the place. And it's really fun. And then ending, I was in a marathon in San Diego, and we ended in, in, uh, in Jack Murphy Stadium, and we ran down this long ramp into the stadium, and, and all the family and friends were around, and the guys that had gone on before us were there and clapping every, every runner that finished. It was so cool. You felt like you were a world champion, you know, and it might have been hours, but it was really cool. We had this group of people cheering us into the stadium, and it was just a fun thing. And I think that's what Hebrews 12, God wants us to get the feel for. This, this, is, a, this is a fun, this is an, a time of just anxiousness and, and just a good thing. And then you have to run the race, and that's not easy particularly. But anyway, he says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, 
talking about those people that have gone on and finished and people that are running around us and different, uh, different skill sets. And they, we have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance or patience the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who, is, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. <clears throat> I wanted to share with you a little, um, uh, just a, uh, something that happened in my life this last year that was sort of a microcosm, I think, of what the Lord uh, wants us in, to teach, wants to teach us tonight. And um, most of you guys know that in, um, in February I had an operation. I had my shoulder replaced. Um, and that was after many years of going through a lot of painful times and, and where my shoulder would just go out of whack and I was bone on bone and it was really painful and I finally talked to a doctor and he said, Mike, the next time anybody touches your shoulder, it should be to get it replaced because your joint shot. So I weighed that out and I committed myself to it and said, yep, doc, we're going to do that. And his secretary called and we set it up for February 12th and I was sort of counting off the days, and I showed up to the operation. Um, everything went really well uh, in the operation. The doctor told me what to expect, told me the time frames to do that. Um, somehow, that didn't quite register, because it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I had some operations before, but this operation, you engage a bunch of tissue that I hadn't before they start you off taking two steps backwards because for a month you're immobile and you're getting stiff and not using it and atrophying when the whole purpose is to build your strength and build your range of motion. So I went through, did what I was supposed to do, uh, listened to the doctor's plans, and then after, after a month is when physical therapy started. So I went to physical therapy. That wasn't fun either. It was really hard. And, um, and this, uh, my physical um, therapist was such a good guy. Um, but he, uh, he was a combination of uh, a drill sergeant, um, a cheerleader, um, a pastor, and other things in between. He just, he just kept cracking the whip and kept me going and encouraging me. Even though I, there was immediate, some immediate relief and some immediate improvement as far as strength and range of motion. But after, after a while, it just slowed down. And I was going, and it was really a painful thing. And I was just getting discouraged and saying, this isn't, this isn't what I signed up for. I just I don't like this particularly. Um, and uh, so after, even after two months of physical therapy, I got to a certain point. He said, Mike, you're on your own. You know, this is the best I can do with you. You're on my, your own, and, and, but my range of motion wasn't complete yet, and my strength wasn't complete yet, and it was really sort of disappointing, and I just kept committing that to the Lord. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, Lord, and I don't get it why I'm not seeing 
the solutions to this thing. Then one night, I was sitting right behind the Francis's, and we were worshiping the Lord. And, and if you ever notice me, I love lifting my hands. And when I was doing this up until the point, I would just get to a certain point, and I would just kind of force it up. I said, here we go. Worshiping God and physical therapy all at the same time. That's a good combination. So, <laughs> so then one night I was sitting there and, and didn't even, wasn't even thinking about my shoulder. And I lifted my hands and I said, wow, this is, and I don't even feel it. And, and a number of you from that point on would check in with me and say, Mike, how are you doing? And I said, well, the thing that I say I can do, that I'm doing and I like this is that I'm not even thinking about my shoulder. That's about the best thing that could be, you know. And I had this, I just had this surprise joy that God really touched me and helped me over that, over that hump. But it came at a time that it was way after I wanted it to happen, but it was so appreciative. And I went home. Guys, it was, it was just so important and touching to me. I went home to tell Valerie, and I just started weeping. I just said, I could lift my arm all the way up, and it didn't hurt, and I don't even think about it. And I just rejoiced in that instance all this time. And I think that's a picture of us. We commit ourselves to the Lord Jesus, and we read all the plan about what we're supposed to do, what's supposed to happen in our lives. We try and obey that, and we fall short, and even try and obey it heartily, and we fall short. And then all of a sudden, God meets us in places along the way that we don't expect. And we say, that was God. That was really God. And Lord, thank you. And it's so neat that he gives us a joy that, that transcends our, our um, experience and transcends our, uh, what we're going through. That it's rooted because that we know him and it's well with our soul. Um, so the question is, what do we do, you know, in living life when joy is fleeting and it's not, it's not there and our heart isn't bubbling over and we try and manufacture that or get mad with God because we don't experience what we think we should be experiencing. Um, I think that's where this section comes in. Um, do we have, what do we do in those blah times? Well, he says we need to we need to run with endurance the race that's set before us. Um, I think there's a distinction that God makes between our faithfulness and our fidelity to walking with him and our feelings. And a lot of times we get those mixed up. What God wants us to do is be faithful in our part and trust him to do his part in his timing. Fidelity and faithfulness are the things that hold good marriages together, not just romance. Romance is important, but after a period of time, it's fidelity. I'm going to be true to my promise. I'm going to be true to my promise and walking with God. And I'm going to be on the path, Lord, and I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to grow weary. Um, that's where we start, I think. It says this in James 1, verses 2 to 6. And I love this. Count it. All joy, my brethren. Reckon it so. Call it a fact, even though you might not feel like it. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Those, that almost seems like a contradictory tension-building statement, doesn't it? How can I count something joy when I'm in the middle of this trial? 
Well, that continues on. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Knowing. When I know what's happening, I can submit to the plan. I knew what was going to happen when I had my operation, but I had to submit to the plan. I had to show up. I had to make the appointment. I had to show up. I had to be willing to walk through it at the end. And God says, if we really believe that he is in control, then we can submit to the plan. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And here's our part. Allow endurance to have its perfect work in you so that you'll be complete and mature, lacking nothing. I submit to the plan, understanding that God is in control. Now, if you want to know how to get through the trial and the difficult times, if any man lacks wisdom, God's perspective on something, let him ask God. God wants us to include him in anything and everything that we go through, uh, especially our deficiencies. When we feel something isn't right, he wants truth in the innermost being, and, and we can bring him into that and have this conversation with him. Um, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. It will be given to him. And I believe, brothers and sisters, that God doesn't lay out the whole thing, but he lays out the next step. So if I ask him, I'm going through things, I, I have his ear and I give it to him, and then ideas come to my mind about a next step, calling somebody, writing something, doing something, whatever it is, act on that. Because I think that's how God speaks to us. I think one of the things that we do when we're going through rough times is we do things that lines us up with the will in the heart of God. We we do those things that are right behaviors for godly people, whether we feel like it or not. Um, that's where this verse. That's where the verse in Hebrews twelve one says, "What we do, we run with patience, and God gives us patience and works that into our life when we submit to His plan, and we fix our eyes on Jesus, who's who is the beginner, the author, and completer, mature of our faith." Basically. If we draw near to God, what's the promise? He'll draw near to us. And that has nothing to do with our feelings. I might feel a million miles from the Lord, like the Lord Jesus in the garden. He didn't feel good in the garden, but he submitted himself to the Father's will for your sake and for my sake. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Psalm 1611, it says this, You will make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy, and in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now, if we're not experiencing joy or any of the characteristics and fruit of the Spirit in our life, well, if Jesus is the source of those, doesn't it make sense that whether I feel like it or not, I should be spending time in his presence? I've told you guys this a lot. A lot of times I wake up with a just heavy pile on my head, and, and, and it never ceases to help. If I, as I get in the word in the morning and I go out on my walk and worship and praise him, even though most of the time starting off I do not feel like doing that, my heart gets aligned and my head gets cleared and something happens. It, it hardly ever happens where, where it doesn't. So it only makes sense that we should be 
prioritizing our times in God's presence and drawing near to him. I love Jeremiah 15, 16, because it kind of shows this process rather than just an action. It says this. Thy word was found, and I ate them, and your word became to me. You see that kind of process? It doesn't say, and it happened, but it became to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, because I'm called by your name, O Lord of hosts. Thy word was found, and I ate it. And it became to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart because that's our birthright is God's children. And he wants us to experience that. So if I set about doing the things that I know are things that are, uh, will put me in the path of God's blessing, it only makes sense that I should prioritize those things, right? Um, I used to think it was just a nice Christian discipline to have a quiet time, and now I'm convinced that it's a lifeline. It is, it is not just a good thing, it's an essential thing. And I don't mean a quiet time necessarily. Well, I won't go into that. Time with God, drawing near to God. I think he wants us doing that all, all the way through the day, by the way. Wouldn't it be neat, too, to, if we go through things, to remember the things that caused Jesus joy, and he talked about that and engaged with those matters? There's a number of those instances. The disciples went out, he sent them out, and they came back rejoicing, and he got excited that they were successful. And he, he was joyful because they entered into what he, his plan for them, and they saw success. The Lord loves it when we do well in our walk with him. Um, but he said, look, guys, that, those things are cool, but don't rejoice that you have power over the enemy. Rejoice. This is what I really want you to think about and get excited about. That what? That our name is written in heaven. Think about that. Indelible ink. Indelible shed blood writes our name in the very chronicles of heaven. And we're there. He says, that's something to get excited about. Um, he was excited about doing the Father's will. He said, Lord, I delight to do your will. I delight to do your will. Well, I think we should have that same heart, shouldn't we? And get excited about doing his will and putting our, our lives in line where we do that. Um, heaven rejoices when just one sinner repents. Don't, don't you think that's a good endeavor to be sharing our faith and telling this world around us what great things God has done for us. That's the essence of sharing our faith. And, and, we, and if we're going through these difficult times in life, we should line up with that, with his heart in that matter. And he delighted in his disciples walking in love and walking in unity. He delighted in that in John 17. And I think we should line up with those heart's desires and delight in those same things. <clears throat> Another thing I think that will help us in living our life out and submitting ourselves to kingdom training in our lives is to understand that time is built into God's plan. And it's really hard to wait, isn't it? We want it now. We, especially Westerners, 
we Americans, we want it now. I, I, I get on Amazon Prime and I press a couple buttons and it better be delivered tomorrow. Well, that's not the way the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is an agrarian kingdom and it's labor intensive up front and we plant, we take care of the ground, we plant the seed, we water it and we wait. It's just not going to happen. The way I found, most of the time I find that it never happens according to my timetable. So it's just so much better to submit to God and say, you order my steps, you delight in my way, you're going to bring me to the end. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yield to the system, Lord. I, I like that, that time is built in. Um, and we see that all the way through the word. Like, especially when God appeared to Moses. He said, I, I want you to know this, Moses, that I have great compassion on my people because they're being oppressed. I'm going to send you and you're going to liberate them. And, um, and Pharaoh's going to resist, but you're going to get into the promised land. Okay, that's a good plan. So Moses get into it. The first obstacle once they left, once they left, well, even before they left, what happens? They get opposition. When they, you, anytime you draw near to God, you're going to get opposition. And these people were utterly despaired. And Moses despaired. He said, "You didn't liberate them at all." Well, Moses, this is step one in the journey, you know. And and trust me. And Moses did. His example is that every time a difficulty came, he fell on his face and called on God. The children of Israel were grumbling and complaining. He was saying, God, you take care of these people. They're your people. They're not my people. And he humbled himself and included God in the dialogue, and God met met them step by step. Um, It's hard to wait. I love the thing that the idea that we, we don't race alone. That, you know, community, over the last few years especially, the significance and power of community has, has God's impressed on my heart more and more how, how critical our life with one another is. And we say that, yeah, yeah, but, you know, it really is. Um, in Ephesians 3, it talks about we have a deeper understanding of the love of Christ when, the, when we're gathered together as believers. We'll, we, we can know with all the saints what's the height and breadth and length and depth of his love for us. Community is part of the thing. We don't race alone. Races take time, depending on how long they are. Shorter times, longer times. But just the whole idea of race includes time. And then... I'm just convinced of this, that unless we believe God has a perfect timing and a perfect plan that we're included in, we'll always live life on a disappointed level. That If I don't believe there's a fullness of time, if I don't believe God really does know me personally, and like it says in Psalm 37, that he orders my steps and he delights in my way, unless I get that, that I'm always going to be disappointed in my walk with him. And he wants us to learn that time is part of the thing. Um, community is part of the deal. This is a quote from this a book that um, the leadership is going through together. And it's a cool book. It's called Slow Church. Like, um, I don't know if you've heard of the slow food movement. But we know what the fast food movement is. Well, the slow food is in reaction to the fast food and slow churches is reaction to fast church. 
But here's what he says about community, and I love a, a couple of specific thoughts he says. We're confident that God desires for us to find joy and deep pleasure in our local faith communities. But we're equally convinced that it is futile to seek that joy directly. One of the great paradoxes of the gospel is that we find supreme joy indirectly as we go through the fire and are ground up, this sounds fun, doesn't it, and poured out for each other. This process is giving ourselves up for one another uh, is at the very heart of the way of Jesus, who for the sake of the joy set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God on high. Um, we, we are in community because iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We're in community because there's safety in a multitude of counselors and there's uh, wisdom in a multitude of counselors and where God wants us to take full advantage of that. I'd like to read... Um, um, Oh, this point here before I read from 1 Peter is that racing, God wants us to race unencumbered. And he wants us, too, to understand that, that in the Christian life there is suffering. And suffering is related to this race as laying down every encumbrance in the sin that so easily entangles us. For those of you that run, you know that you don't want to carry anything heavy. I sometimes, after long runs, I would get tired of wearing my watch because it felt like my whole body was leaning that way. Um, and God wants us to run our race unencumbered, and he uses difficult times to help us discard things that aren't, um, that aren't the highest priority and aren't profitable for this faith walk that we're in. Um, <clears throat> great joy comes from great suffering. And, and the Lord Jesus, you see that in his life. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He was honest about not liking that at all. But he submitted to the Father's plan for the greater joy that's out there. Listen to First Peter. If you'd like to turn with me, you can. To First Peter 1. Um, that highlights a couple of these things. First Peter 1, 3. <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while if necessary you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
God takes this suffering that we go through and he turns it into um, just um, great joy with exclamation points after it. Um, He helps us get unencumbered and he helps us prioritize things. I I love these verses in Psalm 4, verse 2. It says this. It says, the Lord says this. It's a challenging verse. He said, how long, how long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? How long? And then he points to the world's need, and he says, there are many who are saying, who will show us any good? He said, Lord, lift up the light of your countenance on us. Shine your light on us. Put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and new wine abound. When I worked with the state of Arizona, I used to give everybody a hard time on payday because they would just get so excited and go out and and have lunch and and party. And I just said, you guys, you really wishing away 13 out of 14 days of your life? Where's the rejoicing in life anyway? But believers, unbelievers treat payday differently. And God wants to give us joy that exceeds that. That's pretty cool. Suffering is part of the plan. In Psalm 126, 6, it says, He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. That's a man that that submitted himself to God's kingdom and told people what great things God had done. And it's basically saying uh, he he. sowed those seeds, and he wept over them. And I think that just shows the place of suffering and and a broken heart for unbelieving people. And God gave him a great harvest as a result of that. The third component of, of, I think, experiencing or lining ourselves up with great joy is the whole idea of, I put back to the future. I thought that would be creative. Because we have our anchor in, in the Lord Jesus and what he did. It's a finished work. It's a complete work. Uh, he's laid it all out in the word of how, how he even views us. He views us a lot differently than we view ourselves. And, um, and yet, there's a component that's out in the future, too, who, like for the Lord Jesus, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. There's something still future for us in our walk with the Lord, really something a lot that's future for us in our walk with the Lord. Paul says, if we have reason to boast in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. He looked forward uh, to what God was doing, Um, I think the best we can experience now is just a taste of what we're going to experience when we're with him. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But he's revealed them to us by his spirit, it says. We, We would be blown away if we had the full view of what God is going to be doing in our lives and who we are in Jesus and we can't even comprehend it it says and yet there's a forward view that we look forward to 
Um, Proverbs 23, 17, and 18, it says this. kind of gives us a balance. The horizontal view or the vertical view. He said, don't let your heart envy sinners. Be in the fear of the Lord always. For surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. God wants us to have that eye on eternity. Not to be useless here, but to be encouraged here that nothing will separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing physical, nothing spiritual, nothing emotional. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. And we need to be grounded in that and anchored in that um, as we walk through this life. Um, Well, I wanted to wrap this section up with a, with a music video, and then I have a couple comments after that. So let's go ahead and watch this music video. It's Michael Card's song, There's Joy for the Journey. And I think it's a cool song. So let's look at that together. Pardon. 
with all that we've talked about, learning how to run with patience and fixing our eyes on the Lord Jesus and also understanding that, uh, that we're in community and we need to be grounded in the word and remembering him. I think there's, this is my one take-home thought is that there's, I believe God's given us a fast track to experience these things. And that is our, a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of praise. When we thank him, and even we don't, don't feel like thanking him, but we can thank him in the middle of our circumstances because we know he's in control and we know this isn't the last chapter, I think it automatically renews our heart. It realigns our head. It gets, it gets us right in the place where we're dependent on him. And I think thanksgiving and praise um, should be uh, high priorities and hallmarks for us as God's people. That's why I love our time of worship together because it just draws our hearts in unity and focus and we're renewed and we've got, our, uh, we've got the right focus on him. We've got our eyes fixed on him. The fast track is thanksgiving and praise. And uh, tonight we're going to continue on as our tradition and have communion. And it's for people, um, it's for people that know the Lord. Um, and, and it's a look back, isn't it? We remember, do this in remembrance of me. We look back at what Jesus did, his body broken and his blood shed, his death and his resurrection. We are supposed to do it, and it's a future look too, right, until he comes. Uh, so it, it kind of meets that criteria that we were talking about. So let's share this meal together, brothers and sisters, and, um, and then uh, I'll have some closing remarks at the end of the whole thing.